This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. There were definitely some challenges and we were able to get through them and uh, I think it's going to be a fair deal for our members. All right, welcome back to the program. Mike Smith in for Simi. That's the voice of Tony Robello. He is the union leader there at SkyTrain, uh, talking after that marathon bargaining session that led to the last-minute deal this morning. 900 SkyTrain workers set to hit the bricks at 5 a.m. this morning with the strike. Uh, that strike was averted after they got a deal just minutes before the strike deadline was set to kick in. Let's talk about this now with Richard Zussman. He's the Global News Online legislative reporter. Hey, Richard. Hey, Smitty. Also on the line from UBC, Thomas Knight from the Souter School of Business. He's an expert in unions and collective bargaining. Hiya. Good morning. Tom- Thomas, thanks a lot for coming on. Richard, sure. let me let me go to you first. Um, we were talking off air about how this whole thing unfolded here. I said on the show yesterday, I didn't think these guys were going to go out on strike. And I know that Keith Baldry was also yesterday out there predicting, oh, no, this is, they're not going to go on strike. I mean, I saw this movie before, just a couple right. of weeks ago, when the bus drivers went to the limit and didn't go on strike. I just, I just didn't think it was going to happen. No, and I think that's extremely important because, you know, as the listeners will know, these guys were working basically without a long-term deal since the summer, and then all of a sudden, when the deal gets struck on a last-minute deal with the bus drivers... Uh, then the public finds out what is in that deal based on the ratification. And all of a sudden, I think within a day or two, we find out that the TransLink uh, driver or workers now want to go on strike. I think it was a little bit transparent. I think obviously the starting of the negotiations were around what deal the bus drivers got and they wanted something similar. And ultimately, as I think many predicted, they came up with a deal. They left a lot of uncertainty for people throughout the night, but the deal was done before. Yeah, so your your gut feeling on it yesterday was the same as me that there would be oh, no yeah. there would be no strike. Yeah, I thought so. I think they would just yeah. use the formula that was brought in. They knew what the deal was with the bus drivers and they would use that to build on their deal. Thomas Knight, what do you think about that? I mean, I'm just feeling a little cynical about the whole thing. I just feel like I kind of got played a little bit and that this was a bluff. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, it, it's fairly normal to collective bargaining, and, and in fact, uh, lots of other kinds of negotiations as well. I mean, the exercise in brinksmanship. But I think it's important to, to notice that there, the uh, working conditions issues were very different in the two situations, and I think those were, in fact, the, the tough nuts to crack. Uh, you know, for the bus drivers, it was uh, having a fixed schedule of rest breaks and proper facilities for those, which apparently they did not have. Um, in the case of, of SkyTrain, it, it, it goes more to the heart of management rights. That is, uh, the, the union's view that there, was, there is too much overtime being required and uh, that the the solution to that, going in at least, is is to increase staffing levels. So, uh, you know, again, very different working conditions issues. So there wasn't a there wasn't a pattern. It it did uh, you did have a, a a financial pattern or monetary pattern coming out of the bus strike, and that I'm sure. Uh, made life somewhat easier for the SkyTrain operators, but but it, it again those those uh, working condition issues often are really what uh, uh, the parties get deadlocked over. 
Okay, one of the things I, th- I found unusual about this strike is I never heard, or this threatened strike was, I never heard at any time what the bargaining positions were on wages. Uh, were, were you aware of what the wage demands or the wage offers were here, Thomas? Because I, I sure didn't hear any. Well, no, not not uh, yeah. specifically. Um, but, of course, surrounding the negotiations, even though they don't apply to TransLink because it's a separate uh, operating company and its subsidiaries, uh, but you do have the the provincial mandate of two, two, and two, unless right. you can show a, a market differential need. But did that um, did that mandate apply in the SkyTrain case? No, it, it doesn't. No. Right, and and uh, you know, so the the settlement of, for the uh, bus drivers was uh, you know around three percent, but there there are all these variations and separate elements that go into and trades differentials. Right. And, it's it's a little hard to tell exactly what it is, but no, I I and I I thought all along that it really wasn't about money, but instead yeah. was was about these other issues. Right. Okay. Well, we'll get some more details of the deal once it's ratified yeah, later. Looking but forward to that. Yeah, and me too. I mean, because I would like to know exactly what the issues were, because I thought that, and Richard, back to you, I, I just thought this was a little bit unfair to the public that are being used as kind of a bargaining chip here and. Mm-hmm. They're being threatened. Like we're gonna, we're gonna shut down this SkyTrain system and punish the the, yeah. the transit users of this city. But I don't even know what your wage demands are. So, like, why don't you tell me if, if before you before you decide you're gonna punish me or use me as a bargaining chip? Why don't you guys tell me what the issues are at the bargaining table? Everyone was so tight lipped on it, Richard. Yeah, in these situations, the public is often used as pawns. We saw it yeah. in the bus strike. We saw it now in the potential strike here. And what happens is these unions are trying to apply as much political pressure as possible to the employer, but also in this case to the provincial government. It's important for the public to know the province was not at the negotiating table in this round. It's different than the Teachers Federation that we talk a lot about where the employer is the provincial government. In this case, it's the mounted bus company separate, Mm -hmm. but the province also plays a really important role. And the ultimate amount of pressure comes when the public gets so frustrated, they start calling their local MLAs, and then their local MLAs show up in the Premier's office and they say, you need to do something about this, and the unions know that. And I think it's unfair to the public that they are a big pawn in this game for the employees trying to get. Okay. And I think it's fair. They want to get their best deal, but they're using the public in order to do that, and that's unfair. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the politics of this. And, Thomas, I'd like to get your take on this because mm-hmm. I think that for this NDP government, obviously a labor-friendly government in power here in the province now, to get these deals is is good thing for Horgan and for this NDP government. A strike would have been a bad thing. And I think for the opposition liberals, if you were to give them a, a shot of truth serum, they'd probably have to, I think they would probably be forced to admit they probably wanted to strike sure. so they could see the turmoil out there and then try to somehow pin the blame on this thing for on the NDP. So I think in the back rooms of the Liberal Party, they're probably going like, oh, no, they got a deal again. This is be- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's no question, but that that there are lots of sighs of relief as well, certainly within the government today, because they didn't have to uh, explicitly address the issue of, well, is this essential, and and if so... How do we respond to that? Um, I think that the, the, 
the brinksmanship, if you will, and, and many people do interpret it as holding the public hostage, uh, though to the, the, you know, the workers themselves, it's that we're not going to work under the existing conditions. That's, that's their outlook on it. Um, but, but the issue of what is essential, I mean, we have a definition in the Labor Relations Code uh, <clears throat> that is limited to uh, threats, immediate threats to health, safety, or the welfare of the, um, uh, of the province. And the, the, that last term, welfare, has, has received relatively little attention. It's, you know, a standard position uh, that the labor movement takes is that it's only threats to life and limb. But when you start looking at these things and you recognize that, that transportation in particular immediately has effects on uh, negative effects on multiple parties and okay. um so the 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 question of what is essential right. i i i suspect will will continue to be near the surface of richard things. richard yeah and labor minister harry baines was asked about this last week and it's really complicated i think for the provincial government around the definition of essential service especially with the ruling from the supreme court of canada Yep. And the province is struggling with how they're going to deal with essential because I think, you know, as Thomas rightly points out, um, it's changing in terms of what is essential and how you define that. And with a greater reliance ever before in Metro Vancouver on bus and SkyTrain, yep. it has a huge profound impact on people's lives. But I think Harry Baines, the labor minister, is very worried about how the courts may rule if there is a declaration let me, of an essential service. Let me ask you, Richard, about your take on the politics of the current labor climate in the province. We've seen a couple of sort of near-miss almost strikes in the transit system. We still have an absolutely brutal strike going on in the forest sector on yep. Vancouver Island. 3,000 people out of work for six months. Imagine yep. that. I think they've been forgotten in some ways. Um, that there's that's a steel workers strike. That's a union that's very close to this NDP yeah. government. Of course, we got the the teachers still without a a contract, and who knows? There could be a teacher strike in the new year. Are the NDP vulnerable Don't scare on this stuff? People on that, Smitty, but, I, it could happen. I mean, it always seems to happen with the teachers. That but, is the big one, right? Yeah. The the negotiations between the BCTF and the province have a different tone than almost anything else, and that's in the history of. British Columbia, at least the modern history in terms of labor mm. negotiations. And it's and, not just B.C. I mean, the, the, the teachers' negotiations everywhere right, are Ontario right now intensely well. problematical. And this is one of those things where there will be intense political pressure and the province is worried. You know, the word I've used all along to discuss the BCTF issue is expectations, right? The expectations that the BCTF have are sky high after mm -hmm. having real struggles with the Liberals and the lack of funding from the BC Liberals. And so we're going to see that this government needs labor, right? We all know that. To win elections, the NDP needs the support of big labor. And if big labor decides to stay home, it could be hugely problematic for John Horgan. He's well, well aware of that. His team is well aware of that. And they need to ensure that they keep them on their good Well, side. a good example of that is the steel workers was one of the biggest funders of the right. NDP. They, they, gave a ton, they gave a ton of money. But they also provide volunteers. Yes, um, you know, that. In the last election, they actually paid, for, paid the salaries of a lot of these NDP campaign members. Uh, 
managers. And but, you just uh, go to these places like Gavin McGarrickle, big face of the potential strike that got averted on buses. He, I've seen him in NDP offices basically everywhere in the province. You know, he, him and his members are big supporters of the party and help them win okay. elections. Okay, we just got two minutes left, but Thomas Knight, can I get, what's your take on the teacher situation? Are we going to have a strike in the new year? Well, I gave up uh, making predictions for Lent a couple years back, and I haven't resumed. But um, I, I, uh, I certainly hope not. And I think that uh, will would again uh, bring to the forefront the question of essential, and and it's it's much more complex than just well, is this life or limb? Uh, no, so it's not essential. And you know, it was a bit discouraging when a teacher a couple years back, I remember being uh, quoted, say, "Well, we're not essential." Well, I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just in terms of the social importance of education, I would believe that. So I, I'm hoping that they can find a way somehow to deal with the, those continuing issues of class size and composition. Um, the, the, the union has, of course, invested heavily in uh, getting the Supreme Court uh, uh, opinion and, and, and decision that what they had negotiated is, in fact, in force, going all the way back to 2001. Um, what okay. what the ministry, every ministry, is looking for some financial control and, and some flexibility, and that's the problem. Okay, we just got one minute left. Richard, I mean, do you think that this teachers' union and this government are on a kind of a collision course? I mean, the union's asking for a lot more money to be put on the table, yeah. and Finance Minister Carol James is saying well, there is no more money. They're back at the table this week, which is a good okay. sign. They are having conversations and the bctf does not like concessions they have made it very clear terry mooring the new president has said no concessions here i think there's going to be a way to avoid a strike a strike would be a disaster for both sides it'd be yeah. problematic for the ndp and okay. it'd be hugely problematic for the union and the public's mind richard thank you for coming in yeah, thanks buddy and thomas knight associate professor ubc Souter school of business thomas thanks for being on today my pleasure appreciate it guys